0: Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. I am joined today by everyone, Mike McDaniel, Ricky LaBlue both enjoying themselves. It is a day for celebration. The Virginia Tech Hokies for the first time in their history, ACC champions. And we are going to talk about all of it and more. But first, got to shout out the folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy you want to go to if you want to help everybody that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number and look no further then Main Street Pharmacy doctor Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. All right, let's start it off. The Hokies, 2-7. and seven. At one point lost 10 of 15 games, and now they have the unique honor that has never been held by a Virginia Tech basketball team before. They are the ACC champions. They are going dancing, culminating what is Quite frankly, the most improbable comeback in a season that I have ever seen as a sports fan. Chapter 11 of the tournament on the ACC Network. Well, the story's already written itself. Gentlemen, Cloud9, how does it feel?
1: Man, um, this weekend was pretty incredible To uh, just from a fan's perspective. I, I, I don't think that you could have... Scripted it any better, right? Tech has to go through. Well, first of all, let's talk about the first night, right? Like, that was a pretty annoying game. I think everyone can agree uh, the fact that Tech needed a buzzer beater to beat Clemson, uh, who they had just lost to a few nights prior uh, when they shouldn't have lost to them. And that made Virginia Tech's task in the ACC tournament uh, much more difficult, right? Like, we We had decided, you know, if Tech had beaten Clemson there and they had beaten Louisville, Tech was going to need probably three wins to feel really comfortable. Two would put them squarely on the bubble, and then at that point it was just a dart throw. So Tech almost loses the first game, but they get out of there, and then they get to Notre Dame. And um, I'll be honest, I thought Virginia Tech was going to lose each of their final three games in this tournament. I didn't expect them to beat any of those teams. And not only did they beat all three of these teams, they looked like the better team from start to finish. And um, how sweet is it for tech fans that for those fans that have been around a while, they understand kind of the elitist attitude that they have seen from Duke fans and Carolina fans when it comes to basketball. And then uh, Notre Dame comes with its own sort of elitism And Virginia Tech knocks off all three of those teams, who also happen to be the top three seeds in the ACC tournament. Um, It was magical. It was uh, exhilarating and much deserved for a group of players that uh, faced heavy criticism, including from this podcast, uh, for their failure to perform up to their potential and their inability to handle competition that they should handle easily. Um, This team stunk for a good portion of the season, and they faced that criticism head-on. They did make some changes, which I think are worth noting, and I'm working on a column for that on DullesDistrict.com, and they did what nobody really thought they could do, I mean, anyone who tells you that Virginia, that they thought Virginia Tech was going to make the NCAA tournament at two and seven, it's just lying. Uh, Anyone who tries to dunk on anyone who said they wouldn't make the tournament at two and seven, you need to, you need to check yourself, right? Like we all thought the same thing. And it's okay to be happy to be wrong. Like I couldn't be happier that Virginia Tech won the ACC tournament. March is infinitely more fun when you have a real rooting interest. You don't have to pick up some mid-major like Loyola Chicago, right? Who everyone seems to like. So in essence, it was one of the cooler moments of being a tech fan that I've ever been a part of. And I'm certainly more of a football guy than a basketball guy, but this was this is definitely one of the biggest moments in the history of the of the entire athletic department, I think as far as as far as that is concerned
0: yeah and and when you speak to you know people trying to dunk on each other when they were two and seven and we were complaining it was because it was clear and obvious that the team had the potential to be far better and you know when you're dropping games you should win collapsing in the last minute you know losing 10 of 15 games with a decent team it's it's frustrating And, and Though I don't think any of us ever explicitly declared the season over, we did illustrate that it would be damn near impossible for them to mount the type of comeback that it would require to reach the goals that this team set prior to the season. And even as they essentially did that throughout the month of February and and into early March, it had become clear that the margin for error was so small that it was still unlikely. You know, down by two points with seven seconds left against Clemson in the ACC tournament, I had penned a tweet. And I think I have it saved in my drafts right now, so I will read it to you aloud. (laughs) The tweet reads, the season didn't end in January. What happened in January was the Hokies put themselves in a situation where they had an extremely narrow margin for error to accomplish their goal of making the big dance. And as tends to happen with these unlikely scenarios, you can fight hard, but they don't usually occur. But then by the stroke of one shot from the hands of Darius Maddox, the dream remained alive. And... It is one of the most special things, probably the most special thing I've ever seen as a fan of sports. To see Virginia Tech, you know, it wasn't a situation where they lucked into the bracket. It's not like one of those situations where, you know, the 17 makes it to the Elite Eight because they faced the 15 seed in the second round and, you know, then faced a five seed in the Sweet 16. That was not the case. Virginia Tech faced the highest ranked possible opponent that they could all throughout. And they got better every single night, a team that was one shot away from being bounced in the first round to Clemson. And who knows, maybe not even being a one seed in the NIT goes on to beat the cream of the crop programs in the conference, second place, Notre Dame and Duke of North Carolina riddled with, you know, top 50, top 75 recruits all across the roster. And they did it with the Wofford Terriers and You know, it's maybe people don't care about Virginia Tech enough to make a movie about this, but I certainly would. (laughs)
2: Well, when when Virginia Tech lost to Boston College on the road. Right. And at that time, they were two and five in conference play. We looked at this game offensively. We were like, all right, there are some significant issues because a lot of people expected Virginia Tech's offense this year to be basically the best version of themselves that we've seen over the last month or so where they're scoring 70, 75, 80 points per game. They're hitting a million threes. They're really hard to defend. That's been the narrative now. Like you're watching these bracket shows. Everybody's talking about how difficult Virginia Tech is to guard. That's what we expected the entire season offensively. And we didn't really get that truly until after that Boston College game. Now the results didn't come immediately, but I thought Virginia Tech played a lot better in that first North Carolina game on the road. I thought they played very well in the home game to Miami that they lost on the buzzer beater that dropped them to two and seven. But when we were looking at the schedule, you know, we got back on this podcast after that Saturday win against Florida state, an improbable win, right? I mean, Florida state didn't make the tournament this year. They had a down year, Um, but the jury was you know, still very well out on, on what Florida state was going to be. It was still relatively early in conference play and for Virginia tech to go down to Tallahassee, and for Hunter Couture to score a career-high 27 points, um, and for Sean Padula to go off the way that he did. We came back on this podcast and we said, okay, Virginia Tech is now three and seven in ACC play. How do they get back to 500, right? And we mapped out the next four or five games. And Andrew, you mentioned the stretch at Pittsburgh and then home against Pittsburgh. So you guys will remember Tech had two games and three nights because they had an earlier Pittsburgh game canceled because Tech had COVID issues within the program. They had two Pittsburgh games in a span of about 48 hours. Then they played Syracuse the following Saturday and they played Virginia on, I believe Tuesday or Wednesday night and Virginia tech had a pretty tough four game stretch. And we were talking about, okay, if the Hokies can go three and one here, right. If they can go four and Oh miraculously, right. Which they did. Can we start talking about, okay, how does this team go throughout the rest of the year, the final 10, 11 games, what do they need to do to get themselves into position? Right. And, the discussion then at that point was Tech's got to win like seven or eight out of the next 10 or nine out of 11, right? And and that was a conversation we had. The margin for error was so thin with this team. The margin for error was essentially zero because of how poorly they played in the early part of conference play, losing to NC State coming off a of COVID pause, um, losing to Carolina, losing uh, to Boston College on the road in Chestnut Hill. But tech scratching clawed their way back. And You know, I've talked about this on this podcast. It's because we saw this last year with Georgia Tech, right? And we've seen it in the past. You can't count teams out in January in college basketball because sometimes in the middle of conference play, oddly, like they start to figure it out. And what ended up happening was Mike Young made some tweaks, like Ricky alluded to. Darius Maddox started getting some more run. Sean Padula started to get some more run. David Goussaint started getting some more run. Virginia Tech starters just simply started playing a lot better and Tech found their groove offensively. You know, they they found a rotation that worked. And really, I think the turning point was that Boston College loss because even though Virginia Tech lost those following two games, it did feel like the offense was starting to play better. The results just weren't there yet. And I thought throughout the remainder of the season, the regular season, Tech's offense was playing much better. And they put themselves in poor position right, um, losing that final game of the year to Clemson, they made their task in the ACC tournament much more difficult in terms of what it would take, you know, to to get to an NCAA tournament. You know, we thought maybe if Tech had beaten Clemson, you know, two wins, you're probably right there. A third win, you're, you're probably in. But Virginia Tech lost to Clemson, won the first three games, got themselves into an ACC title game. And a lot of bracketologists had Virginia Tech still on the outside looking in. That championship game against Duke was a must-win game. We didn't think that was going to be the case, and Virginia Tech did look like the better team. Um, You know, they looked like the better team for about 35 minutes of the of the Clemson game, right? The second round game, and then they looked like the better team in 40 minutes against Notre Dame, in 40 minutes against North Carolina, and in 40 minutes against Duke. It was a dominant performance. The final three nights in Brooklyn, it was really, really impressive. And this team, I, I think we can all agree. Probably definitely not as talented as the 2019 team, you know, with multiple top 150 recruits that Buzz Williams had on the roster, but this team is now more decorated than that 2019 team. Um, it, it was an incredible run in Brooklyn. It's been an incredible last six weeks of the season. Um, I'm, I'm personally happy that, you know, all these questions from folks on social media in January, talking about, okay, oh, can Mike Young coach, is he the next Justin Fuente? People are throwing out ridiculous things. We can put all that to rest now, he can coach, he's bringing in some good recruits next year, Virginia Tech's got a really good baseline with some of their younger players, hopefully they stick around you never know the transfer portal, but the foundation is there. And Mike Young has built that foundation over the first three years and it wasn't pretty this year for the first two months of the year, it wasn't pretty but the last two months and being able to capture an ACC title the first one in school history makes it really sweet.
0: And just to point out, you know, how small that margin for error truly was. If Tech doesn't beat Duke. Based on the way the committee ranked them with the Duke win, based on how they viewed Texas A&M. I don't think they're in that field of 68. I I frankly don't. I think they're probably the last team out or the first team out. Excuse me.
1: No, I don't even think they're the first team out. I mean, there's a good chance that they would have been behind uh Dayton and Texas A&M and Oklahoma and I can't remember who the the third the other team was that was SMU yeah there's a good chance they would not have been in even the first four out yeah I mean they were they were basically given for all intents and purposes the worst seed possible right (laughs) like even like like they had to be in the tournament and this was the worst seed that they could get so that's what they got
2: they are the worst. Um, they are the worst seed of any ACC champion in the history of the league.
1: And to be fair, right, the ACC is not very good this year, right? Um, so that's
2: you know, but, that's
1: understandable.
2: But that's that's why, and and I don't want to dive too deep down the rabbit hole, but that's why I had a problem with Tennessee being a three seed and Duke being a two. You know, the SEC was either the best conference or one of the two best conferences in the country, depending on how you view the Big Ten. Tennessee won that league. Duke didn't win this league, you know, the ACC, a league that everybody talked about being down this year. Duke didn't win it. Tennessee won theirs in a better conference and got a worse seed. It made made no sense to me.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, the bad news or what could have almost been the bad news for Virginia Tech is what the committee evaluates to get you into the NCAA tournament is indeed your entire resume. I mean, That's what Texas A&M just learned. You you can't turn it off for a large portion of the season and and expect that not to be held against you. And that's essentially
1: what would have happened to Virginia Tech because A&M and Virginia Tech were in similar boats in terms of their resumes.
2: Yeah, and Richmond did uh, nobody any favors by winning the Atlantic 10 and stealing a bid because that was the only way they were going to get in the tournament. I mean, they didn't have – they had a winning record, you know, and um, they they had a winning record in conference play, but they didn't have enough quality wins to really begin the conversation. So the consensus was they had to win the A-10 title to get in, and that's what they did. They stole a bid from somebody. That's why Texas A&M's out. That's why Dayton's out. That's why Xavier's out. That's why SMU's out, you know? Um, That's why Virginia Tech could have been out if they lost the Duke game.
0: Indeed, indeed. I mean, but the good news, though, is like now, I mean, Virginia Tech, I mean, you leave everything at the door once you enter the field of 68, right? But the reality is that Virginia Tech is the hottest team in the country. One of the hottest. I mean, they, you know, you can throw Tennessee in there. You know, some other teams who maybe play a more challenging schedule could be put into that conversation. But, you know, Virginia Tech is peaking at the absolute right time. They did in a world where there was no margin for error, right? Because, again, what was the conversation we were having a few weeks ago? Oh, well, Virginia tech needs to win one, maybe two ACC tournament games. And then, and again, Virginia tech fans, we don't tend to view the ACC tournament in the lens that we might actually win. it. We view it as an opportunity to bolster your resume going into March, you know, to secure your spot or maybe enhance your seed. And, you know, the loss to Clemson at the end of the regular season, obviously did the Hokies no favors you narrowly escape Clemson, get to Notre Dame. And then we started kind of pushing that back as they, well, they got to beat North Carolina too, if they want to be secure. And then ultimately they had to beat Duke. They had to beat the number seven team in the country. And they did so. And they did it convincingly. And you know the, the, the way that Virginia Tech played over the course of that three game stretch of Notre Dame, North Carolina, and, and Duke leads me to believe that, you know, if they play at that level, there's no one in the country that I would rule them out of beating. I mean, we we have seen the full, you know, resume that they've put together over the course of the season. We know even in some of these wins, how they can go through just cold spells that will make your head scratch. But at the same time, you know, credit to Mike Young, credit to the team, because even though there were moments in the Notre Dame game, in the North Carolina game, and I mean, certainly in the Clemson game where, you were like, Oh my God, it, it, it's happening again. The defense for the most part held so extremely strong over the course of this ACC tournament run. And you know, they played like a, a, a team that truly was going to do everything in their power to overcome the adversity that I mean they themselves had put themselves in the position to face, but alas champions. And now we'll match up with the university of Texas, which, uh, and I don't think is the worst thing in the world quite frankly.
1: No, they certainly could have been matched up with a a better team in the 6-11 matchup but I think it's I think it's worth spending a bit more time on Mike Young specifically. Um, Mike Young earned some criticism for his stubbornness as it related to the beginning of the season and how he would not open up his rotation very much and he was really sticking with his five guys and he wasn't giving players like Sean Padula or Darius Maddox uh, very many opportunities and um, that was at least one of the reasons why Virginia Tech was struggling so much at the start of the season and uh, Mike Young made some critical adjustments and specifically in the Duke game he outcoached Mike Krzyzewski just from start to finish. Um, Virginia Tech's ability to create mismatches against Duke's team, which Duke basically had more talent at at each position on the floor at all times, right? I mean, Duke is one of the most talented rosters in the country every season. Everyone knows this.
2: The entire starting lineup, Rick, had five five stars. Five five stars. There was not a, a recruit ranked worse than like 27th, I think, nationally.
1: Yeah. So Duke has, at least on paper, the talent advantage. And Mike Young did an exceptional job creating mismatches on the floor and really just didn't lay off the entire game. I mean, they were attacked. As soon as I saw Virginia Tech start to go after Mark Williams off the bounce as opposed to in the post, I felt like. Mike young had a really good game plan because we saw early on, they were trying to post up Mark Williams and that was not, not the way to go. Right. He when he's able to keep his feet set, he's going to be an exceptional defender at the rim. Um, that changed. Right. And they started to attack him off the bounce and it started to get him out of position. We saw KV Luma with some nice passes. Same thing goes for Justin mutts. Uh, Paulo Benquero d- looked disinterested on the defensive end. Um, and offensively, I was speaking to one of my buddies who's a Duke fan. He felt like that was some of the uh, the least um, – or I should say, yeah, one of the least passive times of of the season that he's seen Bancaro in terms of uh, him trying to get other teammates involved. And uh, Virginia Tech just took advantage of those things on the floor, and it was a really good coaching job. And for all of the flack that Mike Young has caught this year, some of it uh, – worthy and some of it legitimate um he coached his ass off in this ACC tournament
2: yeah Yeah. I mean I the way he was able to exploit mismatches I think was the biggest thing um Notre Dame had a lot of trouble defending Virginia Tech's wings um North Carolina had a lot of trouble because they like to play a bigger lineup. They had trouble defending Virginia Tech's wings. Duke was helpless. I mean, it was – Virginia Tech wanted it more in the the ACC championship game. No doubt about it. Um, The more talented team lost because they didn't want it as bad as the team that was playing with desperation. And I think that's why Virginia Tech is such a dangerous team because they've been playing with desperation basically for like seven or eight weeks. Um, Andrew, you made a great point on the last podcast talking about how like every game Virginia Tech's playing from here on out is basically an NCAA tournament game. Like it's a win or go home because the margin for error was basically zero. And I thought that was a great point. It's something I kept thinking about during the ACC tournament when I was seeing, obviously the the aftermath of the Darius Max three-pointer against Clemson. the way Tech played, came out early against Notre Dame and just quickly kind of stepped on them, right? I mean, Tech was up by 15 in the first half of that game. The way that they took it to North Carolina in the second half uh, when they tightened things up defensively. And quite honestly, the way they tightened things up defensively against Duke early in the second half, because, you know, Duke cut it before halftime. They, they, you know, they had the um, Keve Aluma block right? Um, he was going up on Mark Williams, trying to post him up, and Mark Williams blocked him. But Virginia Tech came out in the second half. They immediately forced a turnover on defense. They come down, they hit a bucket on the other end, and Coach K used the timeout, like a minute, uh, one minute into the second half. And that is how you had to start a half against a really talented Duke team who's ca- more than capable of going on runs. So, and and the thing about Mike Young, too, is he was rolling with the players that were playing best, right? Not afraid to put in Darius Maddox. This isn't just in the ACC tournament. This has really been over the last couple of months. Not afraid to play Darius Maddox more if he needs to. Not afraid to play David Gasson more if he needs to. Not afraid to play Sean Padula more if he needs to. Storm Murphy was so phenomenal in the ACC tournament, Sean Padula was barely seeing the floor. And that's pretty telling considering how poorly Storm Murphy played for basically 60% of the season. Um, But now you don't want to take him off the floor with how he's playing. So he's really found his confidence. He's turning into the player that I think Mike Young envisioned he would be when he brought him to Virginia Tech. And that really opens up the offense even more because of his driving ability when he's playing confidently and his ability to find guys on the wing when they're collapsing. Storm,
1: Storm had nine points he only had nine points on four of 11 against Duke, but he had six assists and he had seven the night before against Carolina. And that was, that was the thing that stood out to me the most was his ability to start creating looks for his teammates. Cause that was not something we saw for several games in the early part of the
2: season. Agree. Like right on the money against Duke, I thought he was one of the best players on the floor and he had a poor shooting night. And that's pretty telling considering where he was earlier this year, where we were like, all right, if he's not scoring, you got to take him off the floor because he's not, he's not defending as well. And he's, you know, not producing for other people. So um, it's, it's pretty remarkable how far along his confidence has come because we knew the talent was there. Um, It was a confidence thing for him. And to see where it was at the beginning of the year, to see where it is now. I mean, Virginia Tech's an entirely different team when he's right.
0: Yeah. And honestly, from a mental headspace perspective, it is, it's impressive because, you know, the kid, not a heralded recruit, goes and plays the you know lion's share of his career at Wofford where you're not going to be under the microscope as much. And he transfers for, to Virginia Tech, and I, I feel like there is there was an expectation that he was going to be the savior, that he was going to step in and immediately be one of, if not the best players on the floor. And, and there was an adjustment period. And I, I don't think any individual, more so than Storm Murphy, took that flack as he's trying to adjust, and I think for a period, it, it, it did affect his play. But ultimately, you know as the season went on, he kept going for it and he kept being his authentic self. And once he figured out how his game can be most effective at the ACC level where it's not going to require him to score 17 points per game to keep his team afloat like it did in the Southern Conference. He was able to be the best version of Storm Murphy for this team, and that seemed to click right at the right time. You know, second-team all-tournament for a reason in a league that has been defined by the excellence of the veteran guard play, you know, not just on – Virginia Tech, but Miami and others as well. Storm Murphy was one of the best guards in the tournament all year and it, it was well deserved. Get peaked at the right time. And uh, you know, when, when people look back at him, this is gonna be a you know a, a little one year stint here for Storm Murphy in Blacksburg, but yeah, despite the roller coaster of the you know, his, his tenure, he's gonna remember be remembered in a very high regard.
1: Yeah. Um I mean, I, I was certainly one of the more critical folks of Storm for the first half of the season, and I still think that all that criticism was legitimate. But, you know, he deserves <clears throat> he deserves just as much credit for turning things around and, and just a, a slight disagreement with what Mike said about Storm. I actually wasn't sure that he had the talent to compete at the ACC level. Um, he looked slow compared to other guards and he looked like he lacked the ability to create his own shot. Um, he, and and I thought he was not confident. And so I wasn't even sure he was capable of doing this, but slowly, but surely in the middle part of the season, he began to figure things out. He looked a bit more confident and he stepped up on the defensive end too. Um, like Mike mentioned, that was one of the points where we thought, storm was just really killing this team was not only was he not providing the offensive firepower but he was not even playing average defense on the other end and that's not going to cut it right like if you're going to be a starting player you got to be at least average on one end of the floor and uh, preferably you know at least more than average on at least one end of the floor and he wasn't either of those things but he has completely turned it around um and his his performances and how about Darius Maddox getting 20 against Carolina off the bench? I mean that was that was critical for oh, a team, high. yeah, for a team offensively that kind of had a a pedestrian night. Um, Darius Maddox was able to lift them offensively. Uh, not too long after, obviously, you know, sticking a dagger into Brad Brownell's heart and maybe his career at Clemson. Um, so just everyone kind of seemed to have each other's back and, and, and Hunter Couture finally showing up offensively after kind of going into a bit of a shell after the Florida state game, that was just kind of icing on the cake to see a player who's been pretty consistent for most of his tenure so far. And he struggled so much for those few games after Florida state. And he... He he, more than made up for it for his performance against Duke. They they had no chance to to defend him at all.
2: If he didn't get into foul trouble in the in the end of the first half against Duke, he probably would have gone for 40. Like, that's not an exaggeration. It was certainly me, possible. More threes. Like, it's certainly on the table. He, he hit nine of them. And he hadn't had a game. You know, talk about the, how clutch he was against Florida State, where he set a career high at that time of 27 points. He hadn't hit more than three three-pointers in a game since then and so he made up for it in a big way mike young has called him the best shooter in the program storm murphy said in the post-game press conference and he said on tv as well as watching on acc network after the game on saturday night storm murphy said we know he's the best shooter in the program we knew he was struggling he owned the fact that he was struggling offensively and he didn't really back down from that. He just kept shooting and that's what really good shooters do. They trust their ability and consistency and the work they've put in. And he was putting up Mike Young said he was putting up thousands of shots trying to get right. And just nothing was falling in, in games. He was still practicing well and the team was practicing well, but he wasn't making anything in the games and he made up for it, obviously in the ACC title game. That's why he put the work in.
0: Well, isn't that why it's so crazy, man? Because You know, we've seen over the course of three years, you know, starting when Hunter Couture was a freshman who probably, you know, physically didn't have business being a contributor in the ACC level, but you you saw the stroke and you're like, all right, this, this dude, despite the fact that he was originally a Wofford commit, has it. We saw it, you know, for the most part last season. And then we obviously have seen him go God mode, you know, in the Florida state game. But over the course of even during the winning streak, when you're seeing him struggle and you're seeing him, you know, two for seven in games, you're seeing him miss three straight free throws at the line in the ACC tournament Are like, oh gosh, Couture's got the yips, but of all times to break out of it, to like truly, when I went back and watched the replay, you know, when I didn't have the, the anxiety of not knowing how the result was going to happen. And I could just kind of calmly, rewatch the game you just saw this look in hunter couture's eyes that you know, is comparable to what you see in highlights of kobe bryant and michael jordan where the dude just wasn't going to miss he had that killer look in his eyes and it happened at the best time it's so funny right like dude like he wins tournament player of the year averaging they say like 12.4 points per game on the tournament they played four games and he scored 31 points in one of them. <laughs> it's like, talk about peaking at the right time. Good for him. But, you know, going back to Storm Murphy, in a team where I don't think there's a shortage of veteran leadership, but, you know, these are just kids. And these aren't kids who have necessarily been under the microscope for their entire basketball careers. Like, you know, transfers from smaller programs, real expectations coming into this year, which could not be said either of the past two seasons for Virginia Tech. I think that Storm Murphy's leadership, and I think that can be said for, for just as much, too. Those are the guys who, from the outside looking in and from what you hear, are, are, are the two very vocal leaders on this team, especially with Murphy being, you know, the most heavily criticized to keep his head up and keep the team going and still seeing, like, early on in the winning streak, the team out to PKs every Tuesday night, just shooting the shit and, and being kids who, from what you can tell, just really love each other's company. Like, this is a true team. And, you know, we, we've seen on teams in the past where, you know, one player who gets a lot of minutes gets dissatisfied with the way that things are going and with the way that the criticism is coming to them and that not being well taken. And that can sink an entire season that can be what propelled the team into a true tailspin, but the leadership on this team, you know, clearly did not allow that to happen. And not only did we see like their play and the team's play generally improve, but I I think it elevated the young guys on the roster who ended up becoming larger contributors in Maddox and in Padula And, and, you know, Everything happening at the right time in that regard is how you end up with with a miracle season. And, you know, these guys, these guys who got so much criticism, these guys who looked so astoundingly bad for like a third of the season, these guys who wouldn't have been in the NCAA tournament unless everything went right, are going to be guys who are welcome back to Castle College, and honored on a regular basis and get to fly that banner and say that they, against all odds, did something that Virginia Tech has never done before. And it's just, you know, it's so freaking impressive. So much credit to these guys who, again, going out and beating the North Carolina Tar Heels and the Duke Blue Devils, top 50 recruits, like everyone that basically contributed for Duke yesterday will be... NBA draft picks next year, many of them top 15, top 20, but almost all of them will be picked. You lost to Thor Murphy and Hunter Couture on the big stage when they needed it most, it was awesome.
1: So two things, and then I, I think we've kind of fully covered the ACC tournament. We can kind of transition into the big dance. Uh, number one, I know exactly how we can advertise this podcast now, which is that Andrew Alex compares – Hunter Couture to Kobe Bryant, and Michael Jordan. Um, or that one game, yes. That is Hunter the that is Kobe the best. Michael Jordan. Yes. That no, is I the mean. best attention getter we will ever have.
0: Um, I mean, small sample size, but yes. <laughs> uh, on Saturday evening at the Barclays Center, Hunter Couture was indeed, especially for the first half of basketball. Hunter Couture was Michael Jordan.
1: <laughs> and then if two
0: combine with, with Steph Curry and some Ray Allen in there. <laughs>
1: So two and more and on a more serious note, um, I fully expected Virginia Tech to look exhausted on Saturday night. Um, they were playing their fourth game in four days. They were playing guys who were physically imposing, physically talented. They weren't playing mid majors in a bunch of time, and you know, in these games, they were playing legitimate power five athletes. Who looked more tired on Saturday night?
0: Duke, every step of the way.
1: Yeah, like Duke Duke was slower to the basketball. They weren't, they weren't attacking the way that you would expect them to attack. Virginia Tech was winning those, those 50-50 balls. Um, they were getting to rebounds more. They were fighting more on the offensive glass, which I did not expect at all. Um, Virginia Tech in their fourth game in four days – just outplayed one of the best teams in the country, and that was just shocking to
0: me isn't that so symbolic of the turnaround almost because this team's achilles heel when they were losing those games that they obviously should have been winning was that it seemed like in the final five minutes of basketball, they just lost their legs, they'd make sloppy mistakes they'd you know score a total of Two points in the final six minutes and blow a 10 point lead. I mean it almost happened it truly did really almost happen against Clemson in the first game but then- Duke
1: Duke looked like they just kind of were tired of fighting there at the yeah. end yeah they, they're, like soft, they,
2: they're a soft basketball team
1: they were they were caught they were fighting to get back in the game and they would get close right they would cut the lead to four um, they would cut it to five they they were they were making some shots that made you feel like okay. This is the start of a Duke run that either gets them in the lead or we get to a tie ball game. And every time, Virginia Tech either started to get stops or they made a big basket. They got to the line. They made a couple free throws. And all of a sudden, the lead was back to six or eight. And eventually, it just seemed like Duke was like, you know what? Not really interested in keeping to do this. These guys are playing physical. They're running our ass ragged. Uh, I'm tired of playing. And that's that's just how it felt to me from from an observer perspective.
0: Yeah, the, the picture of the season, and this speaks to exactly what you were talking about because we're, you know, we're all sitting on pins and needles. I mean, this is Duke, and we've seen Virginia Tech collapse so many times this season, and you're just waiting for that moment to happen. But I think the symbolic knockout punch is right when Duke starts crawling back and that beautiful pass to Justin Mutz, who then posterizes Palo Benchero with the just tremendous slam dunk and it was like an after that duke had just like you said retired from fighting they they yeah. no longer wanted this
1: that that picture is now my avi on twitter uh bancaro getting dunked on that is that is the new twitter profile picture
0: Just absolutely. I mean,
2: well no i mean mutt's when he went up for that, reason. it was kind of a loose ball. When he came back up for that rebound, um, initially, and then Aluma got it had that wraparound pass to Mutz and Banquero was caught on his heels. I mean, you don't dunk on lottery picks too often, right? I mean, that was Tech was sending a message. You know, that was the moment where I was like, I think they might do this tonight. You know, it was getting into the final seven or eight minutes, Tech continued to keep Duke at arm's length, you know, Duke had cut it to five, you know, early in the second half, tech extended it out again. And it was like, man, I just don't think this is going to happen for Duke tonight. And then I'll tell you when I really thought it was done. There was a loose ball um, middle to late second half. There were, there were a couple of loose balls that Darius Max went diving for between the legs of Duke defenders and, Tech was winning the 50-50 balls, too. So not only are they playing well offensively and locking down defensively, you got A.J. Griffin and Mark Williams, you know, two of Duke's key big men in foul trouble. Um, but now Tech is winning the 50-50 balls, too, and getting extra possessions. Um, it, that, that's when I knew it
0: was kind of trending to be Tech's night. All right, well... I think we've uh, closed the book on the ACC tournament champions. Now we go to the big dance where Virginia tech in 11 seed, as we mentioned before, the committee not rating them particularly highly, pretty much actually as low as they possibly could have realistically ranked them. Uh, But they get a matchup with Texas, a team who has been very cold recently. I believe they lost their final three uh, to end the year five of six. Uh, Talk about this matchup. I mean, do we like Virginia Tech's draw here as the 11th seed? It could have been a whole hell
1: of a lot worse. Um, Texas, like you said, is on a bit of a slide. They lost three in a row um, in, in games that they played, including their first round matchup in the Big Ten or, excuse me, Big 12 tournament. Um, they actually lost three of their last five and four of their last six. Um, no, excuse me, four of their last seven. So they're certainly trending downward. Um, you look at some of their losses, uh, Iowa State's uh, not a bad loss. You lose to K-State, that's not really a good one. Um, Texas Tech's a good team. Baylor obviously is a good team. Texas Tech again. And then Baylor and Kansas. So a lot of these losses here are against really good teams. So that I think that's worth worth mentioning although the loss to TCU, certainly not a uh, not, not a good one in the first round. Um, I don't pretend to know a ton about Texas. I know they have three uh, scores and double digits, so it's not really a one-man band uh, that you're going to deal with. Um, but I'd be lying if I said I had watched Texas basketball, but just on the surface level, it seems like Virginia Tech has a winnable matchup here. Uh, they're being – kind of mentioned as like a a a trendy upset pick and that always worries me because national media guys never know what they're talking about uh so i always tend to go against those guys but i mean it's hard not to look at this game and feel like virginia tech is certainly almost in a toss-up uh i i wouldn't peg them as the favorite uh texas has had the better season they have the better resume but if we're talking about who's playing the best basketball right now and who's got who's feeling good and who's got Uncle Mo, uh, it's certainly the Hokies, uh, without a question. Um, and, you know, if Virginia Tech is able to win this game, then they don't have all that bad of a draw afterwards. Purdue has been a bit shaky at times throughout the year, even though they're coming from a really good conference. But uh, we all know that Virginia Tech has had a few times where they should have won in the first round of the tournament. I don't think Virginia Tech should win this game, but I think that they certainly have a, a, a punter's chance. And and to be quite honest, I'm not going to be mad if they lose. Like, I, I, I was expecting to watch this team either play in the, the depths of the NIT or to be sitting on their butt in March, and they're not. So I'm already pleasantly surprised. Um, if we're talking about what, you know, our expectations were at the beginning of the season, sure. It might be a bit short, um, but considering the turnaround that they've made and the changes that they've made, I would still be, you know, okay with how the season went. Um, But, yeah, a win would certainly be nice.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think – it Andrew, it honestly means – it it all depends on what you mean by draw, right? Like, what are your expectations? You know, if your expectation is for Virginia Tech to, like – go to a sweet 16, like it's possible, but I don't love the second round matchup against Purdue. Purdue has been shaky, but the reason why I don't love a second round matchup against Purdue is they have Zach Eady, who's seven foot three and very talented offensively. They have Jaden Ivy who's, you know, he was one of the, you know, two or three finalists for big 10 player of the year. He's a really outstanding sophomore guard. So that matchup potential matchup in the round of 32 uh, worries me, I think Virginia Tech can beat Purdue if they shoot like 60% from three, which they've been doing recently. So I'm not saying that's not a winnable game. I mean, it's certainly possible, but I don't love the matchup on paper now um, that's more from a defensive standpoint than an offensive standpoint, right? Because I do think Virginia Tech could present Purdue some issues um, having some of their bigs come out and guard Mutz and Aluma who can you know knock down perimeter shots, um, Aluma especially. He's he's been a problem. He's been hitting pick and pop threes at the top of the key. That's that's been, you know, he's yeah, people are mentioning
1: thing. Mutz as like a legit three point shooter, and I don't think that's really accurate. Like no, it's it, it's it's like not foreign to him. Right. But but still tech has four shooters on the floor at, at minimum at all times. And right. depending on the, the lineup they roll with, they've got five. And that that's gonna be a problem for any team. And the the potential uh, mismatches that could be created there. So, like you said, Mike, it's it's not likely that they're going to make the sixteen, the Sweet Sixteen. I'm not even sure it's likely they're going to win the first round matchup, but um, it'll sure as hell be fun to watch. And right now, it's hard to it's hard to bet against this team who has been playing against the odds for the better part of six weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah. I no. mean, desperate
2: desperate teams are dangerous. And the only thing I, I just want to add, Andrew, is like. I like the Texas matchup a lot for Virginia Tech. Now, I don't think it's going to be easy. Um, I think Texas is a really winnable game. As far as like the 6-11 games go, I don't think they got that bad of a draw at all for the first round game. Um, And I don't know a ton about Texas either, but what I can tell you is Chris Beard has coached in a national championship game. So we know he can coach. And they've lost some tough games this year in the Big 12, but they're a capable team, and it won't be a cakewalk for Virginia Tech um texas is a good defensive team um offensively they're a little bit challenged especially from the three-point line but defensively they're good so lsu
1: um, would have been a better draw
2: obviously given yeah, the turmoil yeah, no that would.
1: they have going on right now
2: uh-huh yeah and and this this um Tech's in a really tough region i mean baylor's really good you got north carolina st mary's you know they beat gonzaga two weeks ago UCLA, you know, we know what they did last year and we know that, you know, they, they damn near won the pack 12 again. Um, you know, we talked about Purdue at length, San Francisco is a really good 10 seed and Kentucky's got probably the best starting five they've had in almost a decade. So it's a tough region. So it depends on what your goals are, but I think Virginia tech has an opportunity to win the first round game. And then I think if they get a hot shooting game against Purdue, they could make a sweet 16, but I don't think it's very likely. So I wouldn't, but but again, I mean, I didn't think an ACC championship was likely. I, I didn't think Virginia Tech would win, you know, eight out of the last 10 games and get themselves in a position in the ACC tournament. I mean, this is a desperate team right now, and they are on fire. So you can't count them out of really anything at this point. But on paper, Purdue is a tough matchup for Virginia Tech defensively, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. But like you said, I mean, it was unlikely that they got to this point. So it, it's hard for me to look at anything at this point and, you know, not at least have – the semblance of hopes and dreams for this team. And, you know, obviously, like they very well could come out and lose to Texas on Friday. And, you know, that closes the book on that. But if they play like they did in the final three games of the NCW or of the ACC tournament, I don't care who you draw in any round. Virginia tech has a chance and that that's special. And that's not something that you could say about a lot of Virginia tech teams in the past, especially, you know, no team has been this hot at the right time. I mean, last year, you know, the team that lost to Florida in the first round, which is, you know, essentially all the same players, they were ice cold. Remember COVID stopped their season and they never really could get back into a groove. And ultimately, uh, you know, they took Florida down to the wire and, you know, what was a, a March Madness classic that ultimately didn't go the Hokies way, but you know, you just got to, uh, you know, you, you're not on the eight, nine line. So you're not going to play a one seed in the second round and like my gas, like what's the realistic goal for this team, like a sweet 16. Like, is that what we're judging success based off of? And, you know, I I'm trying to temper any sort of expectation And do what I've done, you know. Since the Notre Dame game in the ACC tournament, is go into a game, evaluate the matchup, and hope that Virginia Tech can pull it together and uh, and get a win. Like you know, in all likelihood, the magic will stop at some point. For all but one of the sixty-eight teams, it does. The I I think that Virginia Tech fans just need to be. I would say cautiously optimistic would be a, a good way to approach this. Like, you know, the team is good enough to beat anyone, but at the same time, this is the NCAA tournament. And though we have been one of the hottest teams in college basketball, we've had some magic in there that has gotten us to this point. And a couple of Pittsburgh's in there as well. <laughs> and matchups with teams that are uh, of lesser caliber than the ones that Virginia tech will see at any point in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament. So. You, know, you just keep morale high, be proud of this team, and uh, horns down going into Friday, right?
1: The best part about Selection Sunday was the Texas player who um, immediately after seeing their name on the board, right, um, and all, their entire team is cheering, and then Virginia Tech pops up underneath, and this one Texas player looks at the rest of his team <laughs> – like, uh oh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that picture yet, but it's pretty fun. Yep. Um, I have. Yeah, that's for me. That was the best part of Selection Sunday. Also, um, man, a didn't make the tournament. What a shame. That's a uh, that's a that's a real shame. Sorry about that, folks.
0: Yep. Again, I mean, I will say, like, Buzz Williams, is a good basketball coach, I think. Anyone who watched Virginia Tech basketball over the tenure that he was here knows that, but you know, it's hard to feel bad for them when the Hokies, had they not pulled off their miraculous run once Texas A&M almost did the same thing, you know, the Hokies would have suffered the same fate based on the way that the committee seems to have evaluated them. So it is what it is. As we sing, if you're on the bubble, you don't have the right to complain. Virginia Tech controlled their own destiny. Texas A&M got almost there, but couldn't get it done. And that's the difference between uh, Buzz Williams playing in the NIT and his successor, an ACC champion in the big dance. But, you know, for the fact that in the first three years, because, you know, Buzz Williams, seemingly the thought process there and based on his actions, it's like, oh, okay, I've accomplished what I can accomplish here. Let's leave the covered bare and make a, you know, not maybe not a lateral move, but I mean, you, you moved down to the ACC to go to Texas A&M and to see his successor at Virginia tech, a much more engaging guy. That's easy for the Virginia tech fan base to get behind someone who actually acknowledges the fact that Virginia tech is the school that he works on, uh, for him to have made two NCAA tournaments in three years and accomplished something that buzz never did with a, uh, ACC tournament championship. It just goes to show, uh, you know, maybe Buzz was wrong about Virginia Tech's ceiling of being being reached, and the way that this could possibly impact recruiting. Some of the legends in the ACC headed out the door. Who knows? Maybe it is Mike Young's time. Maybe I'm just being over optimistic. But regardless, it's a great time to be a Hokie, no doubt about that. All right, gentlemen. Anything else?
1: Uh, rate, review, subscribe uh shout out to main street pharmacy for continuing to support the hokey hangover and um yeah folks try not to uh try not to spend too much time at work watching basketball Uh, i'm not going to tell you not to do it but we all have to get something done right (laughs) also 4 30 on a friday like hell yeah that, that timing sucks
2: right during rush hour
1: because I'm going to miss at least probably the first half.
0: Go to the bar nearest your work.
1: Hell Check no. Out. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I want to go home. That way, if the game goes poorly, I can fry out in my living room as opposed to frying out at the bar while spending $8 a drink or whatever.
0: Fair enough. I always forget I live in Blacksburg. The, and I live a block away from the bar. So it's also,
1: uh, random shout out to Tech alum and NFL veteran and Virginia Beach councilman Aaron Rouse for announcing a state senate campaign. Um, just kind of cool to see Hokies doing doing big things.
0: Go Hokies! Also, shout out to the women's team. We didn't touch on it at all. But oh Jesus, how do we miss that? Good it's God! Good they do get a tough matchup. That is a tough 5-12 game. I think they were worthy of a four-seed and the opportunity to, uh, you know, bring the first two rounds of the NCAA Women's Tournament to Blacksburg. That would have been super cool. Luckily, the game will be in College Park. So if you're up there in the Northern Virginia area, again, it'll happen, uh, or Maryland, of course. Uh, that game will be at 2 o'clock on Friday. So we'll get back-to-back Hokies uh, NCAA Tournament games. But, uh, you know, Liz Kitley and the... Uh, Kenny Brooks, Asa Shepherd, and the ladies obviously showing out. They got hot at the right time as well. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they can take care of Florida Gulf Coast and, uh, you know, go into that presumed matchup with Maryland and College Park and book a ticket to the Sweet 16. That's kind of my analysis there. I think they're totally capable of it. I would bet on it. I would bet on it.
2: Do you guys want to make a um, hokey hangover tournament challenge? Should we do it?
0: I'm down.
1: I will put a bracket in, but that's about it. <laughs> all
0: right. All right. We'll make Fair. one. We'll make one.
2: Right.
0: I'm going to Tech Talk Live to see Mike Young talk. So I am going to check out Andrew Alex, Mike McDaniel, Ricky LaBlue. Shout out Main Street Pharmacy. Shout out to all of our listeners. You're obviously, but assume all hokey fans. So enjoy the gravity of the moment because this is something that, uh, you know, it's been pointed out on multiple occasions. The old heads on Tobacco Road, when Virginia was brought, Virginia Tech was brought in, to bolster the football side of the conference, would say they won't add anything in any other sport and to win the ACC basketball tournament, beating Duke and North Carolina in the process. You know, how sweet it is. Enjoy dancing, my folks, and enjoy watching this team that has uh, brought some unforgettable memories to us. Until then, go Hokies.